As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through, with the you ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights, it's prime. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast, I'm your host Manny Navarro, beat writer for The Athletic covering the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Miami is coming off a 31-19 victory over the Pittsburgh Panthers at home. Did not cover the spread, did not always play great, but they got the job done, and now they've moved up two spots uh, in the polls to number 11, uh, actually both the coaches and AP poll, and they will be hosting Virginia this coming Saturday at 8 p.m., a 1-3 Virginia team who just lost to Wake Forest. Uh, last Saturday to fall to 1-3 in the ACC. They were the division winners last year, but they've got an entirely different set of problems now. they got three different quarterbacks. They're kind of rotating in there. And so Miami's going to enter that game as roughly an 11-point uh, favorite to win that game here at home before going into the bye week. But I know you guys have a lot that you have on your mind on this team. The Hurricanes are now 4-1. and one. Um, we saw some things happen in the ACC this weekend that were kind of eyebrow-raising. Number one, Notre Dame just eked out a 12-7 to win over Louisville, and a Louisville team that Miami pretty much dominated offensively. And, and then you had North Carolina fall at Florida State. They fell well behind and then tried to rally late. They were the number five-ranked team in the country at the time, and so they lose to a Seminoles team that Miami absolutely pummeled 52-10. to 10. So we're all confused here. We all do not know what to make of the ACC after Clemson because we know what Clemson has. They are the clearly the best team. They absolutely pounded Georgia Tech 73-7. to 7. But I guess the question now everybody has is, is Miami the second best team in the ACC based off of what we saw last weekend? And it's hard to say. I think Manny Diaz made a good point uh, when he made his radio appearance locally this morning on Joe Rose uh, on WQAM when he said that essentially after the first three or four teams uh, in college football, which at this point you could designate them as you know, Alabama, Clemson, 
uh, and probably Ohio State, uh, from 4 to 44, it's a mixed bag. Anybody can beat anybody on a given day. And I tend to agree with that. If you look at the recruiting rankings, you look at the, the number of first-round picks at these programs, that those three programs have produced here in the last few years, it really there is a huge divide after you get past Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. And so the question is, when will Miami get there? And, and I know you guys have a ton of questions. We sent out the request here on Twitter uh, a few minutes ago, we're, we're recording this around 2.20 p.m. Monday afternoon, right after the coaches finished their Zoom calls. The Hurricanes coaches finished their Zoom calls with us, uh, and they said a lot, uh, a lot that I can share here with you now. Uh, Mike Zimmerman, uh, first of all, I know obviously as a diehard Hurricanes fan, uh, you had a tweet during the game. You were disappointed. I think that was right around the time it was 21-16, to and Miami had just punted the ball back to Pittsburgh uh, after the near pick six, and... What what are your feelings? What are your thoughts? I know you're frustrated. You want to see more from this program, but what are, what are your thoughts just coming off of the the Pittsburgh game? And and you know how are you feeling now going into Virginia? So let let me start by saying I I don't like being negative, and and I I don't want to keep harping on you know the things that I don't agree with or or the things that need to be worked on because yes they won great you know. At the end of the day, that's what you're supposed to do, right? But it's almost the way they they won. Where it, it if Kenny Pickett was playing or an even average quarterback for Pitt was playing, I don't think Miami wins that game. They were just so sloppy on both sides of the ball. Penalties everywhere. Offense, besides the explosive plays, really didn't move the ball at all. De'Ara King looked like he took a step back this week. And on the defensive side, aside from the defensive line, there are just holes everywhere, whether it was man or whether it was zone. And we saw a lot of zone defense against Pittsburgh. But it just seems like they're out there running with their heads cut off and they don't know what they're doing. And they're just getting physically beaten. And... Again, I don't want to be negative because they won the game, but it's it's almost like we're seeing the same team the past 15 years every single week and nothing is improving and if and maybe it's because of the expectations of me and and Hurricane fans think Miami needs to play better than this. They're not an the way they're playing now, they're an average ACC team. Is is that is that a fair assessment right now, Manny? Well, I think what we're learning is that there really is there is a huge gap between Clemson and everybody else, right? That's what we've learned in the last two weeks. And I think the problem is, you know, there isn't a lot that separates Miami from beating a Pittsburgh or beating a Virginia or or losing to a Pittsburgh and losing to a Virginia or losing to a Duke. There really isn't. And and, and there should be more, right? We, we look at recruiting rankings and we form these opinions. Well, the Hurricanes, they've had the top 15 class, you know, in a top 20 recruiting class. So that, that means they're automatically – a lot better. I think we need to stop thinking that way. I really do. And it, it sucks because you, as a Miami fan, you're used to saying, well, but look at all these guys they've put in the NFL, these first round picks, these Hall of Famers. That really isn't the case anymore. They're, they're not putting out the same quality of stars that they used to. And when you go on the field with Virginia, there are only a couple of spots where really you can say, well, Miami's definitely better than Virginia here and definitely better than Virginia there or Pittsburgh or whoever. What happened Saturday against Pittsburgh was you played a defensive front that quite arguably is just as good as Miami's defensive front. And when you have an offensive line that is average, okay, and they were terrible last year, but you've upgraded to average, 
you're still not going to win the majority of your battles. You're still going to get beat. You're going to give up four sacks. You're going to give up 15 tackles for loss because you are not elite. And so to answer your question, Mike Zimmerman, I, I just think we have to reset our expectations and sort of say to ourselves exactly what Manny Diaz said this morning. From 4 to 44, after you get past those big three teams that get everybody, that get all the All-Americans, that get all the five stars and all the elite players, it really is a mixed bag. And I think we need to sort of erase our brains to think that um, Miami is anywhere near that level, okay? What, what Manny Diaz has essentially accomplished is he's gotten himself a punter, He's gotten himself a kicker. He's gotten himself a better quarterback. He's upgraded at right tackle. He's he's continued to build the defensive line. The defensive line is elite, but everywhere else on this field, there are holes, there are issues, and a huge hole in college football, okay? doesn't matter who you are. If you do not have an elite downfield threat, and that's what Miami is missing, you allow defenses to dictate the running game, to put pressure on the quarterback. Because if you can't win on those one-on-one battles deep, they can sell out against the run and sell out on the blitz because they're not afraid of you. They're not afraid of getting beat deep. And that has severely hampered this offense. That is why they looked the way that they did. They played against a very good defensive front that had the athletes to shut down the running game, that had the athletes to put pressure on the air king and disrupt the passing game. And they didn't have the receivers who got past those guys in the secondary and made tough catches. And that's what they're missing right now. And that is a huge element to success on Saturdays. So I, I, I guess what I'll ask you now is do we – you want to temper expectations. So do we want to consider Miami you – know, who do we want to compare them to then? Because my issue is that – Yes, we can look at recruiting rankings, and Miami has a top 15 class every year. You know, that's great. And on paper, they should be playing better than they actually are. But when you look internally, things, you know, we're seeing the same issues year in and year out. You know, I I understand this is only Manny Diaz's second season, but he's been on the staff mm-hmm. for for five years now. He, he, this is his second season, so it's given him enough time to and his staff to, to work on these issues. Offensive line, I, I think you were being kind by saying it's average now. I I, I don't even think it's there. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's pretty bad. And, and I do understand Pittsburgh's front four is, is very, very good. I get that. But at what point are we going to look internally and say, it's just not good enough? It, it's just not good enough. And besides the defensive line, and you can throw in the quarterback position and the running back position. Outside of that, you're you're looking at a very very average ACC team, and it'll get this gets me back to my original question I was going to ask you. Of course, they're not going to be anywhere close to Clemson, especially in the near future. But shouldn't there be a a distance between Miami and the rest of the ACC pack? Yeah, there is. It's 12 points or 11 points. That's what it is right now. It's well, what it's what you saw against Pittsburgh. It's an arm's length. And and that but listen, that is an upgrade, Mike, over where it was last year because last year, how many I mean, they had seven losses, six of them they were favored to win. I mean, that team emotionally, mentally, from a leadership perspective, you it was completely volatile. And what you saw Saturday was Miami get themselves in deep doo-doo, right? It was 21-16. De'Eric threw a couple of picks. And all of a sudden, you can't run the ball. And you're like, oh, my God, Pittsburgh's going to come back and beat them. 
And what happened was the defense stepped up in the red zone. You had Quincy Roche, who you went out and got through the transfer portal for this to be that elite defensive end. And then he made some plays, and so did uh, Jared Harrison Hunt, who's the who's the redshirt freshman. You had a couple of those guys that Manny's picked up in these last two recruiting classes start to step up. Sam Brooks made some tackles. Uh, Corey Flagg made some tackles. Offensively, you had a couple of the freshmen. Keyshawn Smith did make a play. He did catch a ball. Um, and so you had small contributions. The problem is, the, the reality is, Nobody who's a freshman or redshirt freshman should be counted on. If you have things rolling the right way, if you are an elite team, if you are Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson, you don't need freshmen to play. You don't need sophomores to play because you're I, I, I would seniors. also say this, Manny, though. Those elite programs can put true the, the freshmen and redshirt freshmen right. they recruit. They can put them in, and there is no difference. I there, think that also is, comes down to it that they recruit a different level of freshmen than Miami is right now. They they do, and and then at the same time too, it's a lot easier to have success when you got a bunch of beasts playing around you that are juniors and seniors. It just now, is. It's just now, like the so, NBA. It's just like the NBA. When you're out on the court with LeBron, how much better do you look when you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis's teammates versus whatever New Orleans has or whatever? I mean, it, it's just about who sort of draws the eyeballs that helps relieve a lot of pressure which is why you see more of their freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen besides the fact that they're better recruits it certainly takes pressure off whereas here with Miami those freshmen get on the field for Miami and there's not much of a talent difference between them and the guys who are juniors and seniors right now and and that that's not a good thing no looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, look, it's going to take time. I think... You know, everybody looks at Manny Diaz and says, all right, look, he's had two years to recruit. Well, look, to me, he's addressed a lot of issues through the transfer portal. Now the important thing is, did he pick the right quarterback? Did Ty was Tyler Van Dyke the right quarterback for this class? That's a question that we'll find an answer to next year. Uh, is Keyshawn Smith the right deep threat, you know, to take Miami over to the top and, and to eliminate those issues? He's played five games. We've got to give him time to sort of adapt to college, to put on the weight, all those kind of things. And let's not forget... A lot of these guys didn't have a spring to sort of or a summer because of COVID to work out a lot of these kinks. So it's not like the traditional format where, hey, a guy comes in January and he's got extra time to develop. No, these guys are sort of being thrown to the fire just as quickly. Look, I, I'm not saying I'm, it sounds not like I'm defending Manny Diaz and everything that he's done. Um, I just think there has to be some perspective, Mike. As much as Miami fans want instant gratification, they want to see this thing turn around quickly. You need to erase your memory bank from the sense of, hey, Miami still recruits at that level that Clemson, they don't. They do not recruit at that level. They have not recruited at that level for a long time. But so, sh so shouldn't that be the first thing that that needs to be addressed? Yes. And, and 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 we've talked about this on on this show that if there is a recruiting class in South Florida, this is the year to get to that point. Yes. But and, and but part of it so, though is convincing the elite recruits that you are going to be an elite program. It's getting them to see the results on Saturdays. Look, okay, you, so so he okay again. I'll, I'll I'll ask you then this question about that. If you 
did that performance against Pitt convince you that Miami's going in the right direction? It, 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 it did it, because they won the game. And because because and and that is ultimately Mike. If you go back to our preseason conversations before the season got started, before yes, this, Miami, this this that was the type of game they would have lost last year. Correct. That is the difference, and that's you have to recognize that there's a step. There is but, a process. But just, but just because you're starting at as you know, the very very bottom doesn't mean a step up from the bottom is is good or acceptable. Now I I understand that is progress, but. At, at what point are we allowed to say, or, or or would it be warranted to say, it is progress, but this shouldn't be the standard at the University of Miami? If you know, at, you, at what you can point always do say we... that. You can always say this shouldn't be the standard. It should always be more because you've won five national championships. You've been able to prove that you can win at Miami. But the the issue, Mike, is simply that it's gonna take time to recruit all of the players that you need to become a championship program. What separates Miami? from Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and the teams that play in the college football playoff every year is depth. It's oodles and oodles of this talent. Not one layer, not one or two guys, not one quarterback. I mean, look what Alabama's done. They've gone from from Tua to Mac Jones. Everybody said, well, who's Mac Jones? Well, all of a sudden, well, he's a Heisman candidate. Look how good he looks uh, uh, with, with all those other great players around them. Until you get to that point where every single year you've got somebody waiting in the wings who is just as good, if not better, than the guy that they're replacing, you're not going to be a top four playoff contender. You can get lucky one year. You can make a run. You can do what Miami did in 2017 where all of a sudden the turnover chain and the turnovers – and you're pulling out a one-point game here and a three-point game there, and you're and you're lucking your way to a 10-0 start, you can do that. Any team can do that. And then what happens is they get to the college football playoff, and you see what happens. You saw what happened to Notre Dame when they got blown out. They had one good year. They, Notre Dame hasn't been recruiting on that level that Clemson and Alabama have. They're not. They're not there. They're nowhere near there. But the problem is when you look at the polls, it doesn't say number one, two, three, and then – you know, skip 14 steps and go to number 17, which is the way teams should re- honestly be ranked, the way the, the, the gap is between those teams. We, we see four, and we automatically assume, well, if you're four, if you're five, or you're six, or you're seven, you're, you're really close. You're not. They're not close. There is a huge gap between the elite teams in college football and everybody else. And Miami is just somebody else right now. Would, would this be a fair question to ask you, and you tell me, Shouldn't Miami be closer to a Penn State program who wins nine, ten games each season yes. rather than where they are? Yes. Right. You know, I I don't even want to say Miami should be competing with Alabama and Clemson because they are years away from that, and I think everybody agrees with that and everybody knows that. But shouldn't e- even with the just raw talent that on paper Miami co- you know recruits you know with with these recruiting classes on paper shouldn't they be a pen, like a, a similar to a Penn State team every year yes. especially playing yes. in the ACC listen mike it, the difference between being a 6-win team and a 10-win team a lot of times now in college football is your quarterback your kicker and your defensive coordinator those three those three things really separate the best from the best when you've got a defensive coordinator who cannot make halftime adjustments, cannot recognize what the offense is doing to him, you're going to lose games that you shouldn't uh, lose. Okay, We've seen Miami do that in the past. Then if you don't have the quarterback 
who who can make the play in the fourth quarter, who can who can lead a drive, the game winning drive or the game clinching drive. If you've got a guy who's very interception prone, that's going to cause you a game in the fourth quarter. And then if you don't have a kicker, if you don't have a guy that you can count on to make the kicks that they're supposed to make, forget the 50, 60 yarders. That's a bonus. I'm talking about the basic kick, the 35 yarder, the 40 yarder, the 45 yarder, the things that you you would hope are are you're going to make 95% of the time or 90% of the time. And you've got to sort of debate, well, am I going for it on fourth and three at the at the 30-yard line because I don't have a kicker? Am I going for it on fourth and six at the 25 because I don't have a kicker? Th- those That's what separates six wins from 10 wins. And, and Miami this year has the ingredients to win 10 games. They just don't have the ingredients to win 12. And that's the difference. That's the difference. And to go from 10 to 12 is the hardest thing in college football. Because if it, to go from 10 to 12, you got to have the whole the whole thing. Okay, you got to have everything. You got to have all of those elements, and then you got to have depth. And Miami right now is just trying to get to 10 wins. That's what you need to expect. Be Penn State. Be, uh, you know, these these programs that every single year. Be an LSU who's always around 9, 10 wins. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's what Wisconsin does. Wisconsin beats up on a very weak Big Ten conference. But what happens to Wisconsin when they play the big boys? What happens? They don't win. So, again, the, the difference between 6 and 10 wins is what exactly what I talked about. And so I, I think that's where we disagree slightly. I don't think this is a 10-win team or they have the ingredients to do that. And I I, th- I think that's that's where our disconnect is where I just, you know, I, I even on paper, I this isn't a 10-win team. I I you, you can't be. you you can't even even in the ACC, you can't be carried by just a quarterback and a defensive line to get you to 10 wins. You just can't. And and frankly, those are the only, and you could throw a running back in there because I really do believe in Knighton and Cheney, um, along with Cam Harris. But you, that alone isn't going to get you remotely close to ten games. And and I I do want to temper expectations a little because remember last year, Miami blew out Louisville. You know, Jaron Williams threw for six touchdowns, and everyone's saying, "Well, it looks like you know we've got things rolling again." I I don't want people to say. Hey, we beat Pitt. We got things rolling again. We have. There's still so much of the season to go, and I don't. I don't want to buy into the hype again because of the first three games this season. And maybe that's. Maybe I'm skeptical. Maybe I'm being too negative. It's just that it's been the same story for 15 years, and there has been no improvement. There hasn't even been a separation between Miami and the rest of the conference outside of of Clemson. There hasn't, there hasn't, and but again, I think, you know, this year, especially the way the ACC is set up, I think Miami has a chance to get back to the ACC championship game. Will they? No, I think they're going to stumble somewhere along the way. There's going to be a game where Miami turns it over too much, where the defense misses some tackles, where guys get hurt and you're and you're shorthanded by a couple of players, and that really hurts you. Um, I, I just, there's going to be a stumble somewhere along the way. I think we, we all sort of feel that way, don't we? We all think that this team is still missing something. And I think, that, again, the big missing ingredient is the go-to big play wide receiver. And and when you're limited from that capacity, it really hurts you. doesn't matter if you have Brevin Jordan. doesn't matter what you have in the backfield. 
defenses are going to sell out on you. And that's, that is a huge hindrance to this offense. It has been through these first few games. Um, and, and it's going to be moving forward. Look, Virginia's got a good coaching staff, Bronco Mendenhall and those guys. I know they're one and three, but Bronco Mendenhall is a really good coach, defensive coach, defensive-minded guy. He's going to look at this Miami offense and what Rhett Lashley does. He's going to figure some things out. And, and, and again, if it's a 14-point Miami win, if it's a 11-point Miami win, if it's a win, that's still progress. That's still progress, Mike Zimmerman. You can't knock that. I know we got some questions. Yes. I want to get to them. You have access to Twitter. Fish through them. Give me some of the best ones that you got, and we can answer them. All right. So uh, here's one from, I, I guess his, his name is The Baba. The Baba. <laughs> okay. On on Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, I, and I, I think this is a very good question. Um, what is the identity of this offense? Is it just explosive plays? And is that really sustainable? Can Miami really um, count on just the explosive plays? Because outside of those, the offense really has no consistency. So uh, the, the, the Baba ident- yeah. wants to know. Yes. Uh, the identity of this offense is Derek King. And it, it is whatever Derek King can help this offense produce. Look, you go back and you and you look at the UAB game. What, where did the big explosive run come from, from Cam Harris? It was De'Eric King getting the safety and the linebackers to look at him. Look at Louisville, right? Look, where did the big plays come from? It's De'Eric King faking the run, the DBs getting sucked in, and him throwing it right over the top to Jalen Knight and first 75-yard touchdown. Go to this game against Pittsburgh, those two touchdown passes. Uh it, what was it? It's De'Ara King faking the run, okay, getting Cam Harris over the middle and Will Mallory over the middle. They are completely dependent on De'Ara King to be elite, to hit those big plays. The offensive line, when it faces a superior defensive line, which it did against Clemson and it did against Pittsburgh, it is average and it is going to play below average against better defensive lines. So that's going to completely shut down the running game. If you don't have a big play receiver, which Miami doesn't, then you got to be creative and you got to hit the tight ends out of the backfield and you got to hit the running backs out of the backfield and hope that they are wide open to get those points. And that is Miami's offensive identity right now. Until Keyshawn Smith or uh, some of these other guys that they have at receiver emerge, okay, and, and become, you know, take sort of that next step, you're just not going to have what you need to keep defenses honest. And look, I, I like Michael Redding. I like Jeremiah Payton. Um, but, you know, they're guys that are freshmen and redshirt freshmen. And they didn't have an offseason to train. So I asked Rhett Lashley today, you know, where are those guys? How bad do you need them to be deep threats? You can go listen to his answer. It's it's They're going to put it up on, uh, on YouTube. You can listen to the press conference. He badly needs one of those guys to emerge because D. Wiggins is not it. D. Wiggins is not that guy. He can, he can show you in flashes, but you go back and you look at the recruiting classes from a couple years ago. Brian Hightower was the, the guy. He was going to be that guy. He ends up transferring out, and, and D. Wiggins is a three-star recruit. Okay, He's not a superstar. He's a guy that, that was sort of viewed as a project, yet you're counting on him to be the big playmaker for you. You got Mike Harley and Mark, uh, and Mark Pope who are both sort of slot-type guys. They're not big play downfield-type guys. So, look – until those freshman receivers emerge, you are depending on De'Ara King to do basically everything for you, to open up the running game, to open up the field. And I think the one thing Rhett Lashley has to do more of moving forward is get 
De'Eric King involved in designed runs versus scrambles. I think if he does that, he can be more effective. All right, another one from Smiley Kane. Through the first five games, how would you rank the coaching on offensive and defensive sides of the ball and from the head coach? <sighs> That's a good question. How do you rank the coaching? Um, I think against Clemson, clearly, whatever it was Rhett Lashley had planned was a disaster. That was his worst performance. Would, would, it, would it be fair to just take away the Clemson game and not even think about it? Because it's just we didn't learn anything from Miami, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, what you learn is they just don't have what it takes to beat that team. Um, I think, but we, we kind of knew that before the game anyway. Right. I, I think you have to give Lashley a, a B-plus so far because I think he has created ways, because of what I just talked about, because he has created ways to get tight ends and wide receivers and running backs open, okay, when when you don't have the big physical wide receiver on the outside to win the one-on-one battle, to, to out-physical the DB or the safety to catch the ball, because he doesn't have that. He's had to be creative, and he's created wide open plays, multiple wide open plays to score easy touchdowns. And for that alone, you give him a B-plus, A-minus type grade. I think Blake Baker, sometimes he can outcoach himself with the way he brings pressure off the edge. Sometimes he can make, I think, silly mistakes um, you know, with, with his play calling. But I thought these last two games, especially against Clemson, I, I thought you know, for the most part, he didn't call bad plays. I think the Quincy Roche, you know, call was sort of the perfect call, the one where he was called for the offsides against Clemson, where he dropped them back into coverage and, and almost had the pick. I mean, that that's a good call. That's a that's a smart call. I think the game plan against Pittsburgh, while they while you played a bunch of zone, you didn't allow them to beat you over the top for many, very many big plays, which is what, what really what Pittsburgh needed because they they didn't have the kind of offense with that quarterback to um, sort of devote, you know, 15-yard outs here, 10-yard, you know, plays here. They, they needed to sort of strike with the big play. That was the only way you were going to lose that game. And I thought he took that away. I thought DeCorey Couch really played well and was a big factor in that. Um, and, and he's and he's taking advantage of his defensive line. He, he, he's, you know, he's letting those those guys uh, play to to their strengths and, and, and bringing them off good angles. So I, I don't have a, as much of a problem with Blake Baker as maybe some other people do um, because Miami's 4-1 and one right now, and they've lost the only game that they were supposed to. Uh, every, every, other, every other game they've won, they've figured out a way to win, and they've made plays. So for me, even Blake Baker gets a, a pretty decent grade. I give him a B. I give him a B plus, not a not a not an A minus, but a B plus. And then Manny Diaz, I'd say overall he's made all the right decisions since the since the off season. He went out, he got he changed the offensive coordinator, he brought in the kicker, he addressed everything he needed to in the transfer portal, um, and and he's in the process of recruiting a, a top twelve recruiting class right now. So look, everything to this point has been good enough, better. It's been a B B plus sort of effort from this coaching staff but to be an a you have to show up and somehow pull off a miracle against clemson which they're just not capable of so that's why i'm giving them that grade right now all right so we'll go one more and this one's actually from me i i, I didn't submit it on twitter so apologies but <laughs> i i just thought about this and i and i think this is a good one to kind of end on and, and maybe look a little forward outside of wins and losses what are things that you want to see from this Miami team that shows you they are improving and they are on the right track outside of wins and losses? The freshman and, and sophomore development. I think you're starting to see it now. I just mentioned to Corey Couch how he had three pass breakups in this game. You show To me, you show progress as a coaching staff 
not with the guys who were there before, but with the guys that you've just recruited. How do you get those guys to be better to play at an, at an elite level? I think the more the freshman receivers start to contribute, I think the more you start to see freshman offensive linemen and, and redshirt freshmen, maybe Jalen Rivers getting into the game and contributing, I think the more you see Zion Nelson take a step forward, um, you know, and, and John Campbell, and then uh, I think linebackers, Corey Flagg and Sam Brooks Jr., if those guys, by the end of this season, you're saying to yourself, man, I really like the way our young guys developed, then I think Manny Diaz and his coaching staff have done their job. That's how you measure success. If you're still having to rely on De'Eric King to bail you out and for Quincy Roche to make every play and for guys who are not going to be here in 2021 to carry you, then you're not doing your job as a coaching staff. So to me, that's what I'm going to be looking for. It's player development. It's how do you look going into 2021 when you play Alabama? And that's really, I think it's sort of the perfect way to look at it because you couldn't play with Clemson. Even if you get a rematch with them again, you're not going to beat them. And then it's how do you come back in 2021 with a younger team when some of these guys are gone against Alabama? Do you go out and you get shellacked the way that you did against Clemson? Or are you in that game in the fourth quarter? And is it just a matter of, hey, Alabama still got better talent than Miami? Um, and but Miami's getting there. If you if you can feel that way uh, after the first game next season, then Manny Diaz has done his job. All right, so Canes fans better jot down those notes and uh, be sure to look <laughs> for that the next couple weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that's what I'm going to be watching for. And that's that was my question to Manny on today's Zoom: is Do you feel like the the freshmen, the redshirt freshmen, the sophomores, the guys that you've recruited in these last two cycles are getting there? And I think you're seeing it. Jared Harrison Hunt to Corey Couch. Um, some of these freshman receivers, you're starting to see guys grow up in ways that you need to. And, and, and now over these last six regular season games and potentially the ACC championship, if you're able to get there or a bowl game, do those guys emerge? And do you feel like this program is, is headed in the right direction? Okay. Sounds good. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of wide, right? Uh, be sure to download us uh, at uh, on Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever it is that you get your your, your podcast uh, listening. And, and and also, I want to plug my new uh, radio show. I've got a radio show Monday through Friday from six to eight on OnsideRadio.com. I'm going to be having a, a number of guests. We're not just going to talk Canes. We're going to talk Heat. We're going to talk Marlins. We're going to talk Dolphins. A whole bunch of different things. So if you're a Miami sports fan in general. Check out my Twitter account, Manny underscore Navarro. I'll be tweeting out links uh, before every single show. But this podcast is going to continue to go strong. I love working with Mike Zimmerman. Uh, we have Kelvin Harris on the show every now and then. And by the way, today, special uh, little surprise for you. We got an, a, a phone call from Raul, our, fr- our friendly neighbor from Hialeah. Check it out. Manny, it's Raul from Hialeah, baby. Oye, calling you today, following the big victory this weekend. Uh, but uh, since I haven't talked to you for a while, let me start with, with, with the Clemson game. First of all, Manny, uh, I'm very confused about this university's name, Clemson. Who is Clem, and then who is his son, and why have they named a university after these two pictures? It's very strange to me. I don't understand it. Uh, and by the way, playing Clem and a son and a double, it sounds like we lost to the Beverly Hills Village, Manny. It's, it's very confusing for me and very upsetting because I don't understand these things. Okay? Uh, unfortunately... Clemson, Clem Allison jumps out of the hurricanes like my sister jumps on the free samples at Costco. Uh, she's a bad combination, Manny, of being big and taranga. She's cheap, Manny. She's so cheap that her face was the logo and my approvals for quite a while. 
Eh, bueno, I'm too cancer again. Trevor Lawrence, this kid is unbelievable, man. I cannot believe he's so good. He kind of looks like the lost child of, uh, you remember Sunshine, from, remember the Titans? Yeah, the tipo este, Thor, Thor from the uh, Marvel Universe. The, he looks just like him, man. He's just like the two can buy guys, okay? And I haven't seen such nice flowing blonde hair on a person since uh, Heather Locklear in Melrose Place. Not not the Skin City, Heather Locklear, because, yeah, she was showing the mileage, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, in Melrose Place, Heather Locklear, hair. That's what Trevor Lawrence has. Bueno, that's gone. James, his son, double, everybody go. Okay? We bounce back versus Pete Baby. They tried to throw a Janet Yellen song at quarterback. Then they also threw in some guy that's named after Bell, beat the ball. And they found out pretty soon that the Hurricanes defense is poison. Never trust a big butt and a smile. I wish I would have known that before I married my wife. Anyway, uh, Quincy Roche, the Cuban defensive end from Miami, the Hurricanes, just is Quincy Roche, not Roche, Roche, he's Cuban. Uh, he ate up the pit offensive line all game long. He kind of looked like me whenever they put out fresh chicharrones in the Palacio of Hoops. Bueno, the Eric the King, he played more like a princess game. He played okay. He had four touchdowns with two interceptions. Uh, playing like the prince, he had me singing when those cry. <laughs> but we still want money. We still want the Hurricanes are four one, looking totally different than they did last year at this time of the gym money. They kind of look like uh, oh, these Cuban women that get here a year ago, and then all of a sudden they get their butt lifts uh, and lift fillers, and they kind of look like a, like a duck mixed with Kim Kardashian. That's what they look like. They're different money. They're different. It's better than ever. Okay. And we prove once again with this victory that only one pick can win in Miami, baby. And that's Pit Bull. Todo malo es chapaya. Hey. All right, baby. On to Virginia. And I'm not talking about my cross-eyed cousin from one of my calls. We're talking about the Virginia Cavaliers. Time to stop the Cavaliers, man. Let's go, okay. K. 305. 954. 568. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.